I don't know when this thing actually starts listening to me. I don't know when you guys actually start listening to me. But welcome to No Driving Gloves. We are in the midst of six shows a weekend. So Will is absent again, getting ready for another another show. Last week, uh, everybody was buried with, excuse me, Every, everything going on. Will had a show. I think Derek had a show. It was just, it was a mess, and we just couldn't. So we're not supposed to talk about missed shows. So no more missed shows. Sorry, we missed you. Yeah. Well, what's going on, John? I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm sitting here going, boy, that's the way we always start the show. But that's not the way we're supposed to start the show. We're supposed to jump into the meat of the show, and then at the end of the show for our dedicated listeners, talk about how, what's been going on with us. Oh, okay. So, Let's change it up. Yeah, we'll All give right. that a try. All right, so uh, so here's my first question, and it's going to show my age. But at least he's a car collector, and we can talk about his car collection. And maybe even if he hears this, he might want to come on the show. But uh, again, showing my age, have you seen Fred Durst's new look lately? Um, my iPhone played a Limp Biscuit song the other day. He's gone that, full on old man rocking the gray hair. Like it's, it's pretty intense and pretty cool actually to see him up there on stage and, uh, um, doing that and just kind of rocking out the, uh, dad old man almost grandpa look it's it's pretty intense and what does that have to do with cars i know there's got to be a lead in here well no it just it it shocked me when i saw a video of him the other day and of course like i say i'm i'm showing my age and john showing his age because of course you know limp biscuit yeah well they're canceling not one of the they're not one of the young they're not one of the young kid bands um, anymore, but no, it just, it shocked me. But then it also reminded me that I had heard that he was a car collector. So uh, I decided to just be like, oh, well, yeah, what, what does his collection, yeah, what is, what is he interested in? Turns out it's something we've talked about on the show. He loves station wagons. I mean, it's actually pretty cool. Like I, I never really gave it much thought, but he's got some pretty cool station wagons. I don't know. Just one of those things where I saw something, it surprised me. It shocked me. Um, it shows my age. And then I realized the man collects station wagons. So he's even cooler than I ever thought he was. Uh, Sorry, is that not where you wanted the show to go? Oh, I, I wanted the show to go somewhere. I was working on a screen share here. You know. Trying to share his new look? Uh, or his station no, wagons? Because they're both pretty cool. His station wagons. Ah. There we go. There we go. Now, for I mean, all this our- is honestly... These are some pretty sweet station wagons. I mean, I got to give him some props. Well, station wagons are the in thing right now. So it's 
I mean, well, I've had recent conversations with people looking to buy station wagons and um, I, they're, they're cool because exactly for what you said, because we're old, you know, we, we grew up with the minivans and we didn't grow up with station wagons. So to us, minivans are blah station. Wait, wait, wagon. Well, I begged to, I begged to differ because I remember as a young kid riding in the station wagon before we got the minivan. So, well, there were station wagons still when we, we were kids. And if I, I remember one, you certainly remember them. Well, I, we, the family had a Dodge Aspen station wagon, and my grandfather always had the big, well, he had the big Ford station wagon for a while. He had the rear-facing seat. He had the uh, Pontiac or Buick that the tailgate sucked under. Um, he had them all the way up to the, the uh, Parisienne was the last one he had. Uh, he never did go to the egg caprices and stuff because he liked the window that retracted into the tailgate because then he could carry, I guess, things longer that I don't know what's longer than a station wagon though. But yeah, but they kind of, you know, they aren't really our thing. And I think that's why minivans are not thought of highly by the people just behind us because that's what they grew up with. And now minivans are beginning to become cool again because there's a new generation jumping into those and SUVs are hopefully going to be on become uncool, but at some point they'll become cool too. Oh, I guess that's how the car car hobby works, isn't it? You you buy your dad's car. Yeah, I bought. I, I like to buy like my great great grandpa's cars. Yeah, but you're odd. Yeah. Oh. So what 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 if you were going to get a station wagon? What would it be? And I, I want to phrase that vintage collectible and more modern. So two station wagons. Vintage collectible, more modern. So like one that's old, you know, vintage, say 70s era, you know, whatever you choose. And then one more modern, say post 90s. Anything budget, not a concern. Anything. Budget, no concern. And see, I don't know if this falls into modern or old, so I'm going to start with it. And then you tell me, is it modern or old? But about 87 or 88, Mercedes had the AMG Hammer station wagon. And that's, to me, always been kind of one of the coolest station wagons. You know, to heck with your CTS V wagons and stuff like that. I, I like that. Um, and I think, you know, going older, if, if I'm going seventies and believe it or not, I kind of toyed with something like that. I would do keeping it reasonable and it would be the same on both ends. I would do like a 72 or 73 Olds Vista Cruiser. And I would like to do a 95 Olds Vista Cruiser. So there's there's your two ends. I'm going 95 as the modern. I'm going 72 as kind of the vintage. Hmm. Your See, I just All like right. the little panoramic roof that you get over the back seat on the Vista Cruiser. Right, right. Well, I guess if I was going, uh, let's see, where do I go first? Let's go vintage first. It would have to be a the 
the I think it was early 50s, like 51, 52 style um, era, uh, the Pontiac Streamliner station wagon. I really dig that thing. It's pretty sweet, round, bulbous. I just like it. And then uh, more modern, I've oddly, and and probably some of the listeners have have heard me say this. I'm I'm not a huge Mopar guy, especially more modern Mopar. I had a Dodge Dakota for a while. wasn't a big fan of quality on that, but I have always always thought the styling of the Dodge Magnum was pretty freaking cool. And I think if I had a more modern station wagon, it wagon, it would probably be a Dodge Magnum. I could, uh, I can understand that. I mean, the Magnum's cool to look at. I don't know if you've ever been in one. It really is not the <laughs> roomiest station wagon. We're we're not talking about roominess <laughs> yeah. or quality or anything here. That's that's what the Pontiac would be for the roominess because you know you can play a football game inside of that thing. Um, we got so com- that would be the roomy car. We've got comments and maybe this should be it. Would you have the fault wood grain on your station wagons? You know I've. So oddly, um, with with my dad and the restorations we've done, we've actually uh, we've done some of the faux wood. Um, I think one of the brands of it back in the day was like Dynock uh, was called the the material that the company was Dynock or something like that. And uh, it's not bad if it's done right; it looks pretty good. And uh, I don't mind the ones that are actual wood station wagons. I think we've talked about it on the show before; they're a pain in the butt. Because you actually have to treat them more like a wood boat than you do a car, um, but I, I don't mind the the faux wood look. I think it's it's kind of cool in some respects. Now, uh, not on a modern vehicle. Uh, I think was it wasn't it the PT Cruiser that came out with a wood sided version? With uh, there the there vinyl? were there were mm. decal kits you could get for your PT yeah, Cruiser. I don't believe horrible. it came from the factory. Don't uh, do there it. was a conversation do somewhere it. that I was in that what was the last car that came with that? And I can't remember. It was much more modern than you thought, but you know, our I think it would have to be one of the eighties. No, it can't I and, be one of the eighties wagons, maybe early nineties. No, the, the Buick Roadmaster and that came with the faux wood grain all the way up to 95, but there, I can't re- can't think of what came after that. It was something into the two thousands actually. No way. Wow. Yeah. Oof. I can't remember Bad what decision. it is. But the last car I started to take apart at White Post was like a 65 Galaxy 500 wagon. That was, you know, every station wagon seems to be green with the faux wood grain. Uh, and that was, well, geez, 15 years ago? That was a long time ago. But it... um that was kind of at the beginning of the station wagon craze, but you know, just that's kind of how White Post was. I remember having a 190 SL in there, and the assistant manager at the time going, "Why are they putting so much money?" I mean, a hundred thousand dollar restoration, and at the time, you could buy a 190 SL for twenty eight grand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, I like Patrick's comment here: nineteen seventy two Chevrolet Kingswood estate wagon with a big block, um, maybe a big block of concrete in the back, so when you drive it off the bridge it just 
Well, I'm going to nope. jump up. I'm going to use Patrick's big block comment to go to the Facebook comment today that we had uh, and re- referring to the article about take that big block out, put an electric motor mm-hmm. in there. I mean, you've got a wagon, you've got a huge amount of room for batteries in it and put a couple of electric motors in it. Uh, Tesla or somewhere I saw a Tesla crate motor and I was here listening to an interview with uh, Jay Leno on Spike's Car Radio from a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about the way Tesla designed and built their own motor, uh, which yeah, you think it's an electric motor, but he got really into the weeds on that one. I'm not going to get into that, but but yeah, let's do an electric station wagon. Yeah, the the painful thing about, and I I don't know if the picture that the Detroit News used for this cover art for this article that you know no driving gloves was tagged in uh, I, I you know coincidentally also by patrick thank you patrick um but i really really it would be painful to me if the lincoln that is pictured is getting a an electric motor swap um yeah it's just I'm, 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 I think I'm having a tough time embracing the idea of early cars having electric motor swaps. Now, that's not – obviously, there are early cars that were electric. I mean, electric cars, as we've talked about on this show, have been around very, very long time and were actually – higher selling cars in the turn of the century in the late 1800s and early 1900s than internal combustion. But taking something like a 30s era Lincoln, which is a beautiful car, and switching it over to an electric motor, I don't know that I can... I don't know the, that I can handle that quite yet. Well, you, you, you have the same issue with that as if Will took the same car and, you know, chopped and channeled and put a, you know, LS drivetrain in it and et cetera. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of what this, and I was going to joke with Will when he was talking about a schedule tonight. And I was going to say, dang, and we were going to talk about electric resto mods tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm really, you know, everybody knows I'm, I'm a big fan of electric vehicles and things like that. And I kind of like the idea of there. There's a couple of companies that do it quite often. I mean, there's a, for about 12, 15 grand, you can buy a mini moat now in the United States. That's fully electric. Um, there's, I can't think of the name of the company that I follow on Facebook and they're doing electric conversions to everything. Um, that's where, that's what I saw is the Tesla motor that I was talking about. They now have, um, motor mounts for it. So it'll bolt in place of a, uh, basically an LS motor, uh, drop it right in. So you can use your LS motor mounts in the car to put a, an electric drivetrain in. It's, I mean, I think it's the way it's going. You know, we talked to Will a couple of weeks ago was when do you think cars are going to start showing up at SEMA that are electric? Um, if we actually get to have SEMA this year, it's could be really cool. 
Didn't didn't Will say they'd already had a couple of years ago? There was one or two that showed up. Well, they've been tr- they've been trickling in. I mean, I've got a friend here in uh, Birmingham that built a '67 uh, Mustang that was all electric, and that she's that had to be. I don't. I was <laughs> since uh, you know me. I date things with either my girlfriends or my cars. Good thing I. You know, I don't change girlfriends as often as cars, but I actually think I was dating Diana. So that would have been 10 or 12 years. It would have been 12 years ago that he would have had a fully electric Mustang. So I guess my question comes down to, and Patrick, I noticed again, commented that Model T electrification is becoming very common. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to even dive into this subject but i guess i maybe i'm too much of a purist and i i guess if i'm hot rodding the car and i'm doing what will would do where i'm chopping it i'm you know channeling i'm you know pie cutting i'm i'm laying stuff down i'm I'm really changing the whole styling of the car and not trying to keep it original or looking anywhere near original because I want this very sleek show car than, you know, running an electric motor instead of an LS swap or something to that effect. Or, uh, you know, if you're in the Ford situation, you know, doing some kind of Ford coyote swap into the vehicle, I could probably see it. I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm struggling having a car that looks completely original that has an electric motor swap. And that's, that's, that's a tough one. Now, again, going back, I guess it can't be said that it would be maybe complete heresy in some way, because actually the Detroit electric company towards the end, we're actually buying up bodies from other cars, you know, companies that were building bodies for other car companies and essentially putting Detroit electric drive units into those. So you had a late twenties, early thirties looking gas automobile body chassis, all of that, but Detroit electric had purchased it and retrofitted it with, or basically, you know, just installed their electric motor, batteries, drivetrain, all of that. So in some ways it is in the spirit of some electric car companies from back in the day. So maybe there's a a way to take it with a grain of salt there that, you know, it's, it's just kind of alluding back to something that was being done a little bit back in the day. I think we had, and we're probably going to have to go back to one of our teens episodes um, that if electric was more dependable, that was probably the way the car was going to go back in 1900. But, you know, battery technology was nowhere near what obviously gasoline technology was, and that killed it. But if you had to... Sounds stupid. If you had today's battery technology in 1900, we'd never even be talking about gas gas cars. Uh, it's uh, EV West developed the Tesla crate motor that fits small block Chevy. So 
in EV Vest is who I was thinking about. I've seen them do conversions. You name it. I think you know three fifty six Porsches, uh, Fiat Jollies. I mean, every, and everything. They're Ferraris. You know, take a three twenty eight, put an electric drivetrain in it. To get us off of the electric, since we I enjoy these change of topic things, obviously I'm following a lot of the Ford Maverick groups because uh, I, I still have an order in for a Ford Maverick. Not sure if I'm going to let it go or not, but it. Um, Are you going to rebadge it when you get it? Why? Because it shouldn't be called a Maverick. Well, I'll park it next to my Mach-E and... Okay. But, um, well, now I forgot. Oh, the article, and I think I saved the article. Let me see if it's in one of these 8,000 tabs. Yeah, here it is. 2022 Maverick pricing is less expensive than the Model T adjusted for inflation. If you adjust the 1908 Model T that sold for $850 to today's money, um, what did they say? Uh, the Model T would sell for about $25,000, $26,000. And the base Ford Maverick pickup truck with uh, destination charges comes in right at $21,000. That's that's impressive. I'll give it to them. That's impressive that they've kept it that that affordable. Um, even, I mean, even the one that I spec'd out for me, it, it, XLT trim, uh, four-wheel drive, uh, the two-liter EcoBoost motor, four thousand pound towing capacity, which is the max for it, uh, twenty-eight nine. So, I mean, it's really. I think Ford's got a winner if this thing comes out and is is actually deliverable. I mean, if it doesn't have Bronco problems, it. And I saw some pictures of it, of the prototypes now next to. Uh, the last of the Ford Rangers, the you know 0506 Ford Rangers, and it's almost the exact same size as that the Rangers. So it's kind of that perfect mini truck that I've wanted, and I think the world's wanted. And so I give it to Ford. I hope this thing's successful because everybody will jump on that bandwagon, and we can have mini trucks again. So do you just feel that the new Ford Ranger is too big? Is yes, that the new Ford really? Ranger. The new Ford Ranger is as big as an 05 F-150. You know, it's trucks are trucks are huge now. Trucks are getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I, I get it. I mean, I parked my 2018 Chevy next to my dad's 97 GMC. And my dad was like, my God, they've made trucks big. I mean, it's just overall bigger and and you can even see that in in one year uh, at work we had a 2020 uh, Chevy 2500 series and we just got the new 2021 well not just but earlier this year we got the 2021 in parked them next to each other and the 2021 was a good inch and a half taller than the 2020 2500 series yeah i mean like that one year very little body. I mean, not really any styling. Ch- I mean, one year they just it just got bigger. It's. I mean, that's that's my big problem. I I almost think that the Ranger might be as big as my twenty twelve 
F-150. I know I've seen pictures of the, the new Ford Ranger, again, by 0506 F-150s, and it almost dwarfs those. Um, it's there, there is definitely, I think, a need, especially if you don't live in Texas or something and you, you know, you don't have acres of parking lot, you've got to maneuver around the city. I mean, try to maneuver uh, a Ford Ranger around New York if you've got to do some deliveries, you know, even around Chicago or any downtown. It's a big truck. And that's one reason I think the Transit Connect is such a huge seller. I mean, you can't buy them really that move people. But cargo, they're all over the place because they're nice, tiny. They whip in, whip out um, great vehicles. And I think that's the problem with the Mercedes Metris is they went it for the, we need to put a 4 by 8 piece of plywood in the back. Flower shops don't care if you can put four by eight sheets of plywoods in the back. They care whether or not we can get in and out of that church parking lot quickly and things, uh, you know, things like that. So I, I'm for shrinking cars. I mean, one of the biggest complaints I would have about my Mini is it's big. And compare it to you know, my ex-girlfriend Amanda's Mini. It's big. You know, she had a 13. I've got a 20. And in seven years, I mean, the thing just got big. Um, I mean, it's nice, but it, it's, you know, it reminds me a lot of the CRX, but it's big. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, it just reminds me of the old saying, you know, if you, if you find yourself homeless, go get a one bedroom Buick. Right. You know, they're just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, every time people talk to me about that, there's that YouTube video of, out out there. Now I have to dig it, put it on the Facebook page about the guy that's living in his car, but he's living in his Porsche. So, you know, it's, it makes a big deal about, you know, he's living in his car. It's that old thing. He's living out of his car, but his car is a Porsche. You know, yes, you make your decisions. They could do like a whole, we should, we should come out with the no driving gloves, gloves version of cribs, but where it's your car. Why did you say that publicly? <laughs> oh, crap. Yeah, I got to hold those back, don't I? Yeah, somebody like me might steal it. Man. Well, John's going to steal that. All right. Well, there we go. So how long will it take you to electric convert your Maverick? Um, If I wanted to do that, I'd just buy it that way. Are they offering electric Mavericks? Um, I know they're offering hybrid. I believe they are. I apologize. Offering. I'm not up on my yeah. Maverick uh, uh, availability options. Type this thing in here. Um, it's not official, but uh, the rumor is that they will probably do an electric Maverick. That's what I thought. They do have a hybrid version coming out that is mainly electric. Um, but... I think a hundred percent electric would be right around the corner. I'll bet it's kind of a, a progression with Ford. We had the Mach-E introduction. Now we've got the lightning introduction. That's, you know, that the electric F-150. And I would see that being followed up by the electric Maverick. I mean, it's. Now here's a question. Do they offer it? See, again, apologize. I haven't looked up all the options on it. Are they offering it with a stick shift, standard transmission? Nobody offers anything 
I think there's 18 cars that are still available with an actual stick shift. I feel like it needs to have a stick. Sh- I feel like I it needs think, to have a standard transmission. I think it's a 10 speed automatic. Why? And we've had the conversation on the show, but I just feel like it would, well, if we're going to electric, it doesn't matter because do you really, you know, electric and a standard shift just doesn't jive. So technically electric really doesn't have gears. Exactly. (laughs) That's why I'm saying it has Uh, forward and it has reverse and it goes just as fast either way. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm I'm just, there's so many things going through my head right now with things you've said, which like shrinking cars, I, I, you know, getting on that topic and I, I, I guess I like the idea of that and it's you know, never going to happen. I bought a micro car. So, you know, Hey, now shrinking it, cars, there we go. It's, it's never going to happen. And as you know, I, well, I'm, we'll just leave it at that. Keith Martin even figured that out. He learned to drive in a bug eye Sprite. So he bought his kid a bug eye Sprite from an article that he published the, the publisher of sports car market and he realized that was the dumbest thing he probably has ever done in his life because not only is a bug eye sprite slow compared to modern standards, a bug eye sprite will almost fit in my mini. You know, it's so tiny, it's just you know, flat dangerous. And people aren't going to smaller cars, they want to go to bigger cars bigger and bigger, and bigger cars. B- because it's safer and safer and safer. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to make the mini bigger so that it can stand up to your you know, new Chevy 2500, et cetera. Yeah, so I, they're, they're never going to shrink. The problem's going to be is how big can we make them and put them on, you know, fit them on the roads? Well, what is the maximum width? I mean, I would, I don't, I haven't looked, but I would almost bet there's a few vehicles out there, maybe trucks that are as wide as, a, a, a you know, an 80s Countach. I mean, it's... Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll have to measure mine. That that would be an interesting s- comparison to see. But, I, you know, I think you've touched on something interesting because, and it's something I don't think I've ever thought about in my, you know, automotive history, you know, history of technology world of, of study, but is the 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 impact of those federal crash standards you know federal safety standards for you know vehicle crash testing and how that impacted pun intended maybe the size of a vehicle because to add those crumple zones and add the structural integrity and safety those cars wound up i mean they had to grow to to make that safety that you know to get it incorporated and it would be very difficult i mean i have seen not only the crash tests of the smart cars but i have seen an actual wreck involving a smart car and the way they made that car uh, so it would meet safety standards where it basically you know breaks apart and the passenger compartment becomes a capsule that tries to stay keep the person safe 
And the one wreck I have seen on the road involving one, it did exactly that. The front end was over there somewhere and the you know passenger compartment and the rear axle was over on the side of the road over here and the people were fine. Uh, but it is definitely not as safe as driving around in a Chevy Suburban, let's say. So it's, it, that's actually kind of an interesting avenue of uh, automotive history to, to go down because that is a, a big part of why cars have, have grown. Well, it's so, so many laws dictate automotive styling. Uh, you know, you've got, uh, I can't remember where the, uh, you, like you said, the size. Then you've got like the uh, pedestrian crash standards that came out that your front, that's, you know, why we really don't have wedge shaped cars anymore. The, you've got to be able to make contact with, the pedestrian above the kneecaps, but below the waist or something so that, you know, they have a better chance of surviving with minimal injury. They, the seat belts, uh, the side impact crash standards, because go back CRX, I can sit there and I can rest my arm shoulder height on the window and it's comfortable. The mini, you know, my elbows above my shoulder in that because they've raised the height of the doors just for side impact protection. It's a lot of the styling that exists is due to safety regulations. And I mean, and it's not a new, new uh, avenue. You're, you'd be familiar with it. The 57 Chrysler 300C is the first car to have quad headlamps because the government dictated you had to have a single, what, what were those, seven and a quarter inch bulb or something? And that's what manufacturers had to integrate into their car for years. And then they finally agreed that they could do the two separate five and a half inch, whatever beams in the 57 was 57, 300C was the first car to do it. And if you look at everything in the late fifties, all of a sudden, everybody had the quad headlamps. You jump to the eighties, all of a sudden they approved the flush halogen lights for the U.S. for use in the U.S. and once that happened, pop-ups went away. You know, pop-ups were there on supercars for aerodynamics. Now all of a sudden, we can streamline the headlamps into the cars, and you can have this, you know, cool-looking integrate it with the body. And now, I mean, I think Hyundai's done a wonderful thing in the new Santa Cruz and um, uh, what is it, the Santa Fe where they've hidden the headlights completely behind the grill. You can't even see. It's kind of the new pop-up headlamps. But those are, that's all dictated by what the government lets people do. And I just read an article on Porsche headlamps in Europe and how they have like 38 different beams in them and they can dim and point. And, you know, if you have oncoming traffic, it dims the lights. It's going to affect the oncoming traffic, but still keeps everything else just as bright. It's, you know, all this safety is dictated by the government and nothing wrong with it. Uh, I'd probably be dead multiple times if it wasn't for safety in the cars. And I know many, many friends of mine that would definitely be dead without the safety. But it also dictates styling. And I think the guy, I really think the, um, manufacturers do a good job with that you know it sacrifices some some looks and things in, in automobiles but 
for what their what their limits are. I mean, you've got this diagram that you've got to build around, and they do a nice job of doing that. Yeah, and that's I mean that's that's the big thing with anything with engineering and and design, you know, styling of a car. All of those standards have to come in, but it it's interesting being able to talk to designers and engineers on a fairly fairly regular basis, you know, with the job that I do, the Corvette team, engineers, designers. And you know, that, that has to be met, but then what they'll all tell, or what most of them will tell you is it's actually kind of cool to see the process happen and how much science dictates everything. And you think from a design aspect, science doesn't play into it because you're, you know, it's the artistic end of it and it's, it's making the car look good, but all of that looking good has to be aerodynamic and it has to be, you know, it has to move the air around it, especially on a car like a Corvette, but on any car, aerodynamic styling is, is key to meeting some of those federal standards. I mean, you've got gas mileage that can be impact, you know, fuel consumption, gas mileage that can be impacted by poor aerodynamic design, and it comes down to the designer might design something, they put it in a clay model, they put it in the wind tunnel, and all of a sudden the wind tunnel and the science says, mm, that doesn't work, that, that, that doesn't work, let's, let's change that. And from what, you know, what I have learned in, in working with some of the designers and, and engineers is, man, there are parts on a car, specifically on a Corvette, that, you think are just the most beautiful part and you know, the designer did just such an amazing job of drawing this thing out and, and getting it so perfect. And the designer sits back and goes, yeah, no, no, the original design was different. That's, that's for aerodynamics. We had to change the look of it and make it work aerodynamically. And the aerodynamics and nature actually made the part more beautiful than the designer originally did. I mean, and I, I, I find that kind of story to be extremely cool and interesting in, in the automotive world. Well, and the mechanic will have something to say about the designer. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and Patrick again commented, and I popped it up there on the screen for a while if you're actually watching the video footage. Um, you know, science is art and art is science. And it's really true. I mean, it takes, I, I, say quite often art is marketing if you can sell sell your product or sell yourself you know but it's um no it, it's there's a lot that goes behind it and i guess i agree with that statement i like that statement maybe that should be on a no driving gloves t-shirt which by the way i do think we have a cafe press or something not cafe press who do we have what? teespring store well, I think we have a Teespring store with a few T-shirts on it. I forget about that. I put it together one day, and I haven't done much with it. Wow! But you, you didn't even let the co-hosts know we had it. So. <laughs> oh, I probably, I probably did. It's probably in one of those emails. It's buried somewhere. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I'm going to go ahead and plug it in the middle of this show. You can go ahead and buy us a coffee if you go to uh, nodrivinggloves.com/slash/coffee, and you know, go ahead and help support us a little bit. 
Um, what if they want to buy us a latte, John? What if they wanted to buy us a latte? It's only coffee. And you can buy us multiple coffees. And if you have well, trouble, yeah, there you go. If if you buy us multiple coffees, you've bought us a latte coffee. So I'm working on the dad jokes. How am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a new dad thing. Exactly. And I just I just saw something. Oh, I was looking for the show's artwork today, and there was something I came across about dads and cars and whatever. Maybe I should have used it. But speaking the artwork of, I say the artwork behind me. I was gonna say gonna, speak of artwork, there's artwork behind you. Yeah, it's time for a change and it's not that we're gonna get rid of uh Will or anything. We wanna kinda find that fourth wheel for the show. We put it up on Facebook. Um was ta- uh, talking to somebody again this week and a conversation was interesting and I said, you know, this is an interesting idea and I threw it out to the guys and we voted on it and we'd like to bring a female co-host on and start getting some female perspective uh, on the car hobby. Um, so if you know a female or if you're female, I mean, we're going to be a little sexist on that, but I guess if it turned out to be a really good guy, we'd probably take him too. But, um, you know, we just want to have that. Not you wouldn't have to be regular or anything. We would all discuss and work out everything. You know everything, but if you know cars or know somebody who knows cars, uh, shoot us an email at uh, no driving gloves. Um, I don't think I've got a little graphic with our email on it. But oh you can, Lord, well, uh, you ruined it. You can find there. us anywhere. No driving gloves at gmail.com, No driving gloves. You know Facebook, whatever. Just shoot us a message somewhere, and we can go ahead and take care of you. And uh, you know we're we're gonna look. Might not be immediate, but. Um, We'll go through our Rolodexes, but go through yours. Uh, help a guy out. And when I was putting together the ad I put on Facebook, it really highlighted why I wanted to do this. Because I searched car women on a couple of my free graphics programs where I can get um, you know, non-copyrighted artwork. And it was almost impossible to find a respectful picture of a woman in a car, you know, I'm not going to say I'm against it. I mean, some of them are very attractive, sprawled out across their cars and laying on the hoods and scratching them and everything, but it's not fair. <laughs> I mean, there, I, I want to bring, you know, I know some very intelligent car women and mm-hmm. it's time, time we, we did our part. There's very few. I went through uh, car podcasts and, there's a few women out there on car podcasts and mm-hmm. um, we, we kind of really, you know, we really want that. So, yeah. Well, and, and look back, I mean, and I'm going to, I all of a sudden I'm blanking on her name. I had it earlier cause I knew I was going to bring it up when we talked about this. Uh, but we had um, uh, oh, the, the young lady that does Femcanic garage. Uh, and, and she's actually who first popped through my head. Yeah, I mean, amazing, amazing woman in the in the industry knows her stuff. Those are the those are the type of you know people we'd be looking for. And I mean, you know, I mentioned on the show the you know that you know the big thing I was talking about a couple months ago when Will was talking about a big photo shoot stuff is that I had been selected for Sports Car Market Forty Under Forty this year in the collector 
car hobby world, whatever they call it. But pick up pick up that issue. And I'm not saying, you know, read about me or look at my photos. I, I don't care. The cool thing about it, look at the number of young women on that cover. It is impressive. And I know a few of those women that are on that cover and they are extremely important to this hobby, to this industry. And they are the future. They, you know, they are as much of the, the future of this that, I am that John is that will is that all of the young people in this, you know, that are coming up are, and it's, it's extremely important to have them involved and have them out there. You know, as John said, you know, being a professional face of the industry and the hobby and, you know, not just being that calendar picture uh, that, you know, everybody is so used to and i'm 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 proud to share the 40 under 40 spots with a number all of those women i don't know them all but i know like i say i know i know a few of them and they are impressive women in this field and they know their stuff and it's awesome sorry i didn't mean to rant oh i'm trying to look up the episode and it's not coming up with the there it is Jamie Blosman. Jamie, yes. yes. Yeah. Episode 155, we, we interviewed her. And like I said, she crossed my mind, but she's busy with her own podcast. But I'm going to reach out to her. I bet you she knows knows a couple of people that might want to try that position. So, Jamie, if you happen to be listening, reach out to me. But I'll shoot you an email tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. And see what's going on in both of our worlds. So. Covered a lot of things tonight, Derek. What, what else? Uh, I mean, were you? This is where I guess we're supposed to do that personal stuff that we used to do at the beginning of the show. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, see, so sorry. Yeah, we're we're getting used to this new format, folks. Sorry if there's been some dead time, there downtime, dead air, as they call it on the uh, on the airwaves. Um, I I slap some. Uh, I, I I'm really enjoying my car. I'm glad I spent the money, put that on Facebook in the post. I did realize the first word in my Facebook post yesterday was wrong. I'll go back and edit that. But, um, you know, I I put a picture up a couple of weeks ago. The last car modification, frivolous modification I did to a car is I put clear corner markers in my uh, Porsche. And I haven't, I bought my pickup truck nine years ago today that I traded the Porsche on. So, I sold the Porsche nine years ago. That's how long it's been since I've done a frivolous car modification, uh, at least for me. And it's got the cell phone, cool little cell phone thing in these little cup or door pockets and stuff. But I actually, I did the vinyl stuff. We've had a couple of vinyl wrappers on here, but I became a wrapper this week and I laid down some fake carbon fiber and some bright red pinstriping type stuff on my mini and, feel pretty good about it. It's a custom design that um, I'm sure some other minis have it. I hadn't seen it before, but it's not the standard. So that, that's kind of what I've been up to. I told you that car was going to get me back into the car world. So you didn't do a no, no big, no driving gloves logo on it somewhere. No, I should probably do the uh, big, no driving gloves. Like we've got in the corner, you know, over the cor- back, back rear third of the car at mm-hmm. an angle or something. That'd be sweet. 
Well, I don't, I don't normally talk or I, I guess I do bring up work occasionally on the show, but I'm, I'm going to bring it up tonight. I was, I was in Nashville all day today at the adventure science center. If you live near Nashville or you're traveling to Nashville and after next weekend, not this weekend, but after next weekend, uh, highly recommend looking to see if while you're in town, the Adventure Science Center is open because they're doing a really cool exhibit card. Wow. A really cool exhibit called Car Culture. And they're using seven Corvettes from the National Corvette Museum to do it. So we, we took seven Corvettes down today, installed them in their galleries, and it is going to be a really cool exhibit. So if you're in the area of Nashville again, after I think, I think it opens next weekend officially, uh, look it up, check it out because it was a blast helping install it. And, uh, I think it's going to be a cool exhibit. So I'm going to, I'm going to pump that for, you know, tonight because we spent a whole day installing it and they're going to finish up doing the graphics and stuff. And it's just going to be really, really cool. There's, uh, Seven, like I say, seven Corvettes, so not exactly one of every generation represented, but uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's, yeah, we've got s- production version of, of Corvettes down there. We've got race, you know, full, full-on race car Corvettes down there, uh, just talking about car culture, and they're connecting it to the history of the Adventure Science Center, basically what was going on in their history in Nashville and what was going on in car culture at the time through Corvette's eyes. So, um, yeah, go see it. Cause it's going to be cool. Where was that again? It's at the adventure science center in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. I always hate it when somebody comes on and they start talking about something, talking about something and plugging something. And they only mentioned it at the very beginning and you go, well, you know, you, you hear it at the beginning of adventure science center. And I go, and by the end, oh, wow, seven Corvettes, multi-generations. Oh, where was that again? Mm-hmm. That's always nice yeah. when you recap. That's a that's a hint for all you podcasters and even some of you radio DJs out there. But, but again, think, that's in located in Nashville, Tennessee at the Adventure Science Center. Yeah. And how long and does that go? Next go week, for? What, I'll do, what I'll do next week is I'll have the hours, admissions, and all of that for the Adventure Science Center. How's that? How long is the exhibit uh it will run through november so it's it's a short short temporary exhibit so you're gonna have to get to nashville to see it and then while you're in nashville i mean if you're traveling anyway about an hour and 15 minutes depending on how you drive an hour to an hour and 15 minutes and traffic because nashville traffic's horrible uh you know come on up to the corvette museum and check out what we're doing I keep seeing the Corvette Museum pop up in a lot of Facebook feeds. I don't know. I think Corvettes have become popular in my Facebook feed for some reason. It's because Corvettes are popular, John. It's probably the new Stingray Bar and Grill. Yeah, come check out the new Stingray Bar and Grill. So It's delicious. It, we have a chef. It's amazing. Well, I don't have anything else on the horizon. Maybe window tint for my Mini, but... We'll talk about that if that ever happens. But you got anything else, Derek? Or otherwise, we're yeah, close to an hour. I'm going to go ahead and cut out of here at 50 minutes I mean, for a change. 
I don't have anything exciting. I haven't bought any new cars. Oh, recently. I, I got uh, one. I just, I just oh, read. Man. Oh, uh, I got to find it. I got to find Newsflash. it. You, it kind of is because it was just announced. Uh, okay. I was worried. I couldn't spell his name all of a sudden. Some big news for today. This is a quote. Uh, thank you. My, thank you to my family, my parents, our members, employees, supporters, investors, and of course, enthusiasts everywhere. The future is bright for our mission to save driving and expand car culture for future generations. Onward and upward. Can you guess who made that quote? We've talked about him recently, multiple times. Mikhail Haggerty. Yep. <laughs> they joined are merged with a financial group, as I understand it, and will become a publicly traded company, if they're not already, because a car company they merged with is publicly traded. And they, what was the valuation they put on it? Three point, $3.13 billion is what this merger's worth. So they got money to buy your Concours. So if you've got a Concours on the market mm. call <laughs> or any other thing, I'd be calling them for sponsorship opportunities or possibly job opportunities. But me and my resume have never made it too far. <laughs> Probably because we badmouth them on the podcast. Blacklisted. Yeah. Well, that's a good show. And he, you know, he's always got that S class. <laughs> Like I got, maybe that's I get, maybe that's a topic we need to do coming up in the future. Best, uh, best cars on TV shows. Ooh, that yeah, I think we'll we'll schedule that one so we can have some uh, hopefully a big commentator role and get some uh, crowd reaction on that one too, because you know gosh. I've already got like five in my head. I honestly don't know what the best. I got a question for you before we go. Last question, I promise. Yeah, sure. We're going to drag do, it out to 60 minutes, folks. Do you ever watch, and if anybody's in the chat room, please comment too. Do you ever watch a movie or a TV show just because of the car? Not the topic, not the plot, just because the car's in it. No, I've never done that. Nothing. I mean, I use the example of the original Gone in 60 Seconds. Do you watch that because of the plot or because of the stunt driving and the cars in it? Oh, wow. You might have just got me. Okay, you're right. I, I watch the original Gone in 60 Seconds. For the cars. Yeah. For right. more for the cars and the, because I mean, it's really a, I don't even know if you can call it a B movie. It's, it might be even a C or a D movie. And, mm -hmm. but you're right. Yes, it is. It is about the car. And, but that's what that movie was intended to be. It was about the cars. I don't really think it was ever about the acting or the plot 
or well, any part of that. It, it's kind of like Tulane Blacktop. You don't watch Tulane Blacktop because it's interesting. There's like 30 lines in the whole movie. The purpose of the movie is to hear the engine in the car running while they're driving it and drag racing it. That was the whole point of the movie. So I own Tulane Blacktop as well. And that's why you constantly have Corvette Summer on a rotating reel at the Corvette Museum, right? Nope. (laughs) I was wondering because somebody threw out to me the other day, and I'm sorry, it's a mini thing to watch um, Pork Pie, which I'd never heard of. And it is the highest grossing movie filmed in New Zealand in the United States. The highest grossing movie in the United States that was filmed in New Zealand. It grossed like $800,000. And what is it called? Pork Pie. It is available on Tubi for free. Pork, like the pig, like pork. Yes. Yeah. Pie. Okay. And it's got a mini in it. And that's why it was suggested to me. It was thrown to me on a mini group. And I, okay. I, I haven't watched more than the first five minutes of it. So now I, I there's can't. actually, it, it, it has a hundred rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So well, there you go. But so she called me and said, called me out and said, you watching it because of the car? Well, that's why it was suggested to me. And then I pointed out to her that there's a reason I own every DVD from the Prisoner DVD box set. So 20-some DVDs, and I probably have a couple hundred dollars into them, is because in the opening credits, there's a Lotus 7. Never appears in the show, only in the opening credits. So, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I was just wondering how many car people might be guilty of watching. I mean... Who watched Hardcastle and McCormick for Hardcastle and McCormick or Hardcase and McCormick? It was, yes, I know the show was Hardcastle and McCormick, but his nickname in the show was Hardcase. Uh, they watched it for the Cody Coyote, which was that modified um, McLaren uh, kit car that all the interior shots that you ever saw were actually of the executive producer's Ferrari. But, you know, we watched that for that. We watched, you know, Dukes of Hazard for the General Lee. Now I'll go. We watch Knight Rider for Kit, but you know David Hasselhoff too. But well, yeah. So that <laughs> show was all about the Hoff, man. Come on. <laughs> if it wasn't for that show, the Hoff would have never been that stellar star in Germany. But now, it's just go. what what I was wondering. What your thoughts on that were? If you would actually ever, or if that's just an odd thing that I do. And you know, well, I guess we, I, well, but to expand on it because I'm I I like old movies. And I'm talking old movies like black and white old movies. And I will say that I watch them because I find some of the old actors and actresses to uh, be very interesting to watch them. And, and just even the plots back then, because it for someone who's a historian, of course, you can learn a lot from what movies at the time were about because they're relevant to what was going on at the time. And obviously movies from the thirties, forties, there's old cars in them. And so I constantly am on the lookout for what cars appear in them. And probably one of my really kind of favorite early movies to watch. And part of it is because of the car that's in it is a movie called Topper. 
T O P P E R topper. And it's got a really cool customized Buick in it. Uh, the car still exists. Uh, I guess in some ways I'll say, unfortunately, Gilmore, the oil company got their hands on it and modified it even more. And it doesn't look in my opinion, as nice as it looked in the movie, but it's, it's a really cool car. And, and the movie's kind of c- cool too. It's got an interesting plot, interesting twist. Uh, and it's just a fun movie to watch. So there are movies I will watch, I guess, intentionally, well, unintentionally for the cars, but I watch them because I'm interested initially. And then I start finding the cars in them or seeing the cars. I didn't even know Topper actually had the, the car is a main character in Topper. And when I first went to watch it, I didn't know that. And then I just kind of got really interesting uh, watching it. So if you're an early car person, I definitely recommend watching old movies and TV shows. And while you were saying that, because I drift is, you know, that's one reason I like the original Fast and Fast and the Furious uh, from the 50s because of the cars in it and the shots of Pebble Beach in the early mm-hmm. days, the first one or two years. But then it got me thinking of the Fast and the Furious. Who the heck went and saw that movie in, say, part one and two and maybe even three for the plot? No, they went for the cars, right? There's a reason that movie was made, and it was made around the cars. So you went to see the cars, and and then eventually it did actually build this huge storyline that um, culminated with putting a Fiero in space. Oh, spoiler alert, the latest movie, they put a Fiero in space. Uh, but there's i mean this this needs to be a topic for another show because number one we're over an hour now we drug it out but there are so many tv shows and movies that that is exactly the car is intended to be the star or in some way one of the stars i mean i think of um uh nash bridges Back in the late 90s, I guess, mid late 90s, I guess it was Don Johnson, of course, famous from Miami Vice and some cool cars there. But Don Johnson had the 71 Cuda. Yeah, made that a a multi-million dollar car, too. Exactly. (laughs) But that it wasn't like, oh, second thought on what the car is going to be. No, it was it's going to be this really cool muscle car. And it gives Don Johnson's character a backstory. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Look for the uh, TV episode of No Driving Gloves or TV car episode in the next couple of weeks. Coming soon to an internet near you. But buy us a coffee, nodrivinggloves.com slash coffee to look us up. You can go to nodrivinggloves.com Facebook, No Driving Gloves YouTube. I mean, everything. Just go to nodrivinggloves.com and there's everything there. All of our shows. This is show 182. We've been doing it for a few years. Um, We've got some Great stuff coming up around the corner. So I'm going to get out of here for tonight, Derek. Same here. Let me see if I can push this out. Oh, we got one last comment. Let me see if it's worth. uh, That's Patrick again, talking about used Model T's that Buster Keaton used to break apart in his movies. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. You see, I can't read. It's really, really small on my screen. Uh, See, I got mine like big right over here. So I know what's going on. My fingers disappear. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's time to go.